This is season two, episode two of the Transformation Chamber with journalist and news anchor Tashara Parker. In this episode, we discuss the importance of embracing who you are, managing your mental health and why you should do work from the heart. With that being said, let's step into the Transformation Chamber. Yo, welcome back to another episode of Transformation Chamber. I am super excited. Uh, as usual, I have amazing guests, but this guest is uh, particularly special today. My friend from long, long time ago. Long, Ms. long time ago. <laughs> Ms. Tashara Parker. What's up, Tashara? How you feeling? Hey, I'm good. So, glad to be here. I'm glad to have you, man. And I'm you got me out here in Dallas, Texas. Hey, you know he I mean? drove all the way to the big D to listen, get the interview. It's listen, all good. I mean, listen, you're doing amazing things. You're doing major <laughs> things. So I had to do it. So me and Joe packed up and we came out here. Um, let me give you all a little bit about Mr. Shar and then we'll jump into it. So you're a journalist, yeah. host, media yeah. personality, news sure. anchor, killing yeah. it all, a community yeah. storyteller. Yeah. Community focused storyteller. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that and, and how you got here. I try my best to tell stories that focus on a community. I think a lot of times when folks watch the news, some of the things that they see, most of the things that they see are things that are not positive images when it comes to minority communities, specifically black communities. Uh-huh. And so um, one of the things that I wanted to do as a community focused storyteller was inherently do what I needed to do to tell good stories that showed black people in a positive light that show minorities in a positive light. I love it. I think that's important. And it's something that's going to be long lasting. You know, you'll hear about a shooting one day. Okay. Two weeks later, nobody's worried about that. Right. But the stories that I tell are stories that I feel like will live on stories that people can piggyback off of stories that they can come back and look at stories that they can show their kids, you know, 10, 20, 30 years from now. For sure. So that's what I focus on how I got here. Um, I started, in journalism, uh, what was it, 2014, after grad school. I went to grad school in Chicago, but you know I'm from Houston. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, went to grad school, interned quite a few places. After interning, I got my first job in College Station, Texas, which, you know, is crazy because that's where I went, went to, to undergrad right. at. Okay. Um, so to get your first, Texas A&M University, yeah, yeah, so yeah. to get your first job working in a city where you went to school at is almost unheard of. So right. anyway, First job in College Station, moved to Tyler, Texas, and uh-huh. that's when things really started to get crazy, and yeah. I really started to come into my own. Absolutely, from Tyler. I, I to remember Dallas. seeing. I think I don't know if it was your Instagram, but I just remember seeing your face starting to like circulate a lot more, yeah. and they loved you in Tyler. <laughs> I know, <laughs> they I loved, loved them you. back. <laughs> like, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong. You have your own day in Tyler, Texas. I do have Tashara Parker Day. In come Tyler, on, Texas. man. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's up, man. Yeah, so, man. I love my people. The mayor made sure that happened, and and lots dope. of people did work to get Tashara Parker Day. I mean, it's important. You're telling important stories, and then the amount of passion you exude in your work. It just it leaks all over. You can see it. You yeah. can feel it. So, <laughs> so after Tyler, you matriculated to Dallas here, which is also unheard of. Um, you know, a lot of times in journalism, you have to go through a series of uh, of different cities. You go from small, medium, then medium. You go to semi, you know, large, and then you get to a larger market. Dallas right. is a number six market, if I'm not mistaken, number six or seven. Nice. It kind of fluctuates. Um, out of two hundred and two hundred plus. TV markets across the country. Mm-hmm. So to go from Tyler, which was market, I believe 114 at the time, maybe 110, it was down there to get to Dallas and have people calling me to get to Dallas wow. was a, it's it's a huge deal and it's such a blessing because 
It's so funny. I used to drive. Tyler's only an hour, maybe 15 minutes from Dallas. Uh And so I used to drive from Tyler to Dallas for different reasons, whether it was to get my hair done or... Um, Man, you let know, him, take pictures. Hair, oh, like, cause it's you know what I'm saying? If you, if you watching on YouTube, subscribe <laughs> to my YouTube channel, by the way, you can see this beautiful queen yeah, right here. And so I used so. to drive to, um, Dallas to get my hair done, my uh-huh. natural hair done. Um, cause I didn't feel like we had a whole lot of people in, uh, Tyler and the one or two people I did go to was always booked up cause they were really good at their jobs. So anyway, I used to drive to Dallas to get my hair done and I would talk to women in Dallas, black women in Dallas and say, um, you know, there's no way Dallas is our next market. So they'll be like, well, why you want to just come to Dallas? I'm like, it doesn't work like that. It's not that easy <laughs> right. to come to t- to Dallas from Tyler, from, Tyler, right, from right. such a smaller market. Exactly. And so when they saw that I was coming here, they was like, girl, a year ago we were talking about how you were basically fearful that a, a city as big as Dallas or Houston wasn't going to yeah, happen. Yeah. And so... I mean, it's just been a blessing, man. That's what's up, It's man. crazy. That's what's up. Okay, you, you talked about, there's a few things I want to get into. You talked about how you are here to tell stories of people of color in a positive light. Yeah. And right now, currently, I think in the media, you're kind of going through a little backlash for this piece you did on these, uh, it was a piece about school. It was Sorry. a piece about <clears throat> school. And you focused on black children. And somebody said, well, why don't we see any representation of white kids or something like that? Right. right? So I did, uh, and it wasn't necessarily a, a piece, right? It was a, it was just a, a story where we reached out to families, and I reach out to people all the time. By uh-huh. the way, I have groups where I reach out to people all the time, asking for feedback, asking for videos, whatever it is, right? To accomplish whatever I'm trying to do Absolutely. for that week, and I do this every week, by the way. Wow. And so um, I always feature different people. And just so happened this time around, it was five black students. This was just a story about the students going back to school. It had no track in it, meaning I didn't speak in the story Uh at all. uh It was simply five young people telling me exactly how they felt about virtual learning, how the school year has been, and really just expressing their thoughts. Nothing to do with race, nothing to do with anything outside of those young brilliant intellectuals telling me how they felt about this school year. Mm-hmm. And so the email that I received after that, my station received, wow. cause they sent it to the station, <laughs> the email that Karen. my station received after was basically saying, Hey, and by the way, I looked this person up and she is an educator. And I was just like, really? Wow. Like really? Um, retired educator. So anyway, the email that she sent basically said, you know, you showed only black kids if it had been the other way around, um, you guys would be hollering discrimination. And I'm paraphrasing. That's not a direct yeah. quote, paraphrasing. But basically saying, if had it been the other way around with just white kids, um, there would be backlash. I'm like, girl, we've been watching just white people on the news for the last <laughs> you know how long? And don't get it twisted. Like, yeah, we got black anchors, black reporters. Right. Um, and yes, you'll see black people on the news. But at the same time, consistent, good coverage of black people doesn't really happen very often in most news markets. Now, don't get it twisted. You probably got some major cities or some cities in general that are getting it right, Mm -hmm. but a lot of people don't. And so that's one of the things that I'm aiming to change. And that email in particular that we received was one of the reasons why I continue doing what I'm doing. Because people don't understand that what difference does it make if you see only black kids? You didn't complain when you only saw white kids in the story. Absolutely. So you don't complain when you only see white experts on our air. So think, what is the 
what is the point of sending something like that if you truly want to embrace this whole, exactly. you know, diversity and all of these different initiatives that these companies are coming up with? Like, look, if we're going to truly embrace it, like, let's embrace it and let's do it. Let's do it all so, the way. Like, yeah. not just because it's a fad right, right now. It's easy to talk That's about. That's why it's so hard because right after George Floyd, everybody was so hyped and so geeked about making this happen. And now it's like, oh, so we going back, you know, behind our little curtains because we didn't put a little statement out Man. there. Like, no, it doesn't stop there. Talk you got to keep going. Absolutely. Undoubtedly. It's a daily thing. It's a daily grind. Yeah. And we have to honestly, us as black people, too, we have to show up proud of who we are yeah. not hiding anymore. Like just this is who I am. This is what I do. Right. Accepted or not. Like I know. I speaking of which I saw one lady. uh, she was just like giving you props on Instagram. She was like, who is this black woman on the news? Ooh. Yeah, I, I need to send it to you. Like she was like, you ha- you know, you wear your natural hair all yeah. the time. She was like, I'm in love with this black sister. And I thought you saw it. Huh. I need to find it. It was on. Okay. It, was a, uh, it was a lady. She was just like, I, whatever y'all doing down there in Dallas, I'm loving it. Like she was going <laughs> in and I was like, yo, that's what's up. Like, so that's speaking cool. of representation, man, you're doing a awesome awesome job Appreciate of it. representing uh just black women in general with black people as well yeah and and, and we're multifaceted though so don't get it twisted it's a whole lot of different variations oh yeah of uh, black folks so and this speaks to the fact that uh you've been nominated for best journalist correct? Yes, right so by dallas weekly there we go and so <laughs> uh and it makes sense though like again your stories are always great it's fun to hear uh, uh, it's fun to see you especially just knowing you yeah. knowing how you've uh, grown it's fun to see you just going after it yeah. and then what i really love is how uh <laughs> even though you you know news anchors have i don't know what you would call it y'all speak with certain type of diction certain cadence yeah and, uh, yeah intonation. every now and then that uh that houston texas oh yeah and it, it needs to because <laughs> I, I try my best to sound like me but it's just sometimes when you're in the studio it's like oh uh, yeah, you know yeah. you want to make sure all your words coming out and exactly. all that but yeah, man, I try to sound like me. And I love that the Houston comes out because it needs to be all <laughs> the time. So let's talk about transformation, right? Uh, that's that's the whole um, premise of this show. Just thinking about if I look at your Instagram right now, if yeah. I look at your life, it just seems like you're killing it and you're winning. And yeah. every day is great for Tashara Parker. Yeah, and it's not. It's not. Let's talk yeah. about, you know, maybe first going back to A&M, yeah. uh, going to a predominantly white school, yeah. uh, coming from. Uh, how, how would you ex- describe North, for- North Forest? Um, black, 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 and we had a few other races there. But it was like but ninety, it was, yeah, it was about ninety some percent black. black. And then to and, and to be fair and honest, and I'm also a product of North Forest, it was probably underneath the average yeah. education uh, standard of of Texas, if you want to be yeah. real. And then you went more out. than underneath. Yeah. I mean, we got investigated. For so many over different things again. within the district. I so. mean, if if I keep it real right now, my high school is closed, my middle school is closed, and my elementary is closed. So my high school is closed, my middle school is closed, <laughs> and we went to well, we went to the same middle school. Yeah, went to different high schools, and Tidwell, I don't know. If I don't. Still. I don't think Tidwell is still there. Right, I right. could be wrong, and, and if somebody hears this and we're wrong, we're wrong, but. I don't know if Titwell is still there. And so I, I, I thought about it. I was like, I couldn't even prove to you I went to school if I didn't go to Isn't college to get a degree. <laughs> oh, and you know what? When I needed to get proof of high school, because I was applying for some grad schools at right. one point, and I needed to get um, proof of something from high school, I had to go through HISD records, and it took months I can for them imagine. to search for that stuff. I can only imagine. Yeah, so. And HISD, by the way, had to end up taking over North Forest ISD. Right. So if you're wondering how that kind of led up to uh hisc taking over they had to take over because there was a lot of stuff going on absolutely absolutely so talk about that experience at a&m and some of the things that um you know may have been challenging during that time for you you know it's it's so interesting because this will be my second time trying to 
gauge what all went down. I mean, it's been many times I've tried to, but second time within this week trying mm-hmm. to gauge what happened at Texas A&M. And when the question that I've been asked before is, did you encounter racism at Texas A&M? And the short answer is yes, but I don't know how to paint the picture of how mm-hmm. that looked. Because I think for so long as black people and me as a black woman, I compartmentalize all of these things that were happening. So whether it was a microaggression or whether it was someone, you know, saying something on campus as I walk by, I think you compartmentalize those those things. And people always say, well, maybe you didn't deal with anything at A&M. I say, well, that's a lie. It was 3% black people at A&M. We have 55,000 plus students, 3%. So imagine the small number of black people that you saw consistently on a daily basis. It didn't happen. Like, yeah, we had the football team, which was majority black. But other than that, you really didn't see a whole lot of black people. And so I was forced to not forced, but I was in these different circles of groups because even at A&M, I was always very ambitious trying to be in all the organizations, all that good stuff. And you were forced to be around different, um, you know, ethnicity, ethnicities and races and all that kind of stuff. And one thing that, I just remember being at AM is I always remember this example of when we were when President Barack Obama was running for office, these student organizations basically there's a common area that people can go, right? Where student organizations right, can right. set up, like on most campuses, set up, pass out flyers, pamphlets, whatever. So basically they set up this huge board situation. Um, and there were many variations of this board on the plaza, but they set up one of them that I recall. And this was the first time he was running for office and they started throwing eggs at his face. It was his face on the the board. And I was just like, how is that okay? Like, how can we allow something like that to happen on the campus of Texas A&M University? It made all the national news outlets back then. And what was also neat about it was the response that it got from the black football players on the team. Like if you go and Google that story, you'll see the black football players standing in front of Barack Obama's face. Like, I dare you to throw an egg wow, at me. Oh, that's powerful. Yeah, yeah. And so anyways, there were many variations of that. And I think microaggressions is like the main thing that I would normally deal with yeah. at Texas A&M, yeah. just from uh, white women second-guessing whatever you're saying, going behind your back to clarify or to confirm or things along those lines. That's something that happens all the time. That's something that still happens still now. Yeah, that's what I said. And so, um, you know, they just second-guess everything that you're doing. And not only that, like you already have to work harder than most of the people there so it's just a never-ending situation but hopefully we're working to try to change that yeah, we're working it's a slow change but it's happening slowly yeah. uh so talk about time you've gotten in your career now you graduated from a&m yeah. um a time where it might have been just easy for you to give up or quit or say is this really for me yeah. like yeah big time well first of all when i first got to a&m i had a biology test. Why they put me in biology my freshman year, I don't know. They saw my transcripts and where I came from, but that's a whole other story. You know they like to weed people out. So anyway, when I first got to a and I'm going to start there. I had a biology exam. I think I made, it was either an 8 or a 13 out of 100 points on the exam. And I'm like, yo, I mean, when I tell you my heart just dropped, I was like, what am I doing here? And that's tough because... How did I get here? You were top of class, like where we came from. (laughs) Top 10%, top, yeah. And you thought you were smart going into these situations. And you were smart in a lot of different ways, like street smart, hey, don't touch me, you know? And so anyways, um, (laughs) we made it work. And I ended up talking to my advisor to try to get it situated. But anyway, that was one of the first times I was like, I don't know what I'm doing here. Like, I think back now, 
because I didn't know what mental health and all of that was back yeah. in the day. Yeah. But I think back now, it's like, dang, I was really depressed, like trying to figure that stuff out. Wow. It was heartbreaking wow. to see a young person dealing with that. And again, I'm thinking back on my own life and so many different situations that have transpired. When I first got into journalism, as I told you, as when I graduated from DePaul in Chicago, I moved back to College Station to mm-hmm. get my first job in mm-hmm. April of 2014. Got my first job at KAGS News in College Station, Texas. When I tell you, and I wanted to do sports initially, mm-hmm. so I started off doing a little bit of sports, and right. then I would do news most of the week. And I had people that made me feel like the scum of the earth. And I, I kid you not, I would go home crying trying to figure out like, okay, I really don't know nothing. I just finished my grad degree in journalism and people still made me feel like I didn't know a thing. That's tough. And I was just like, what am I doing? And now I look back, I'm like, oh, y'all was intimidated because y'all saw this little black girl who was so passionate about the things that she was trying to do and willing to work hard at it. And within, I believe it was within a year, don't quote me on the exact time frame. But I feel like it was within a year I got promoted from reporter to anchor. And uh-huh. I was asked to take on that position, uh-huh. right? Um, and so just thinking about those situations and how things transpired, and as an older, more mature person, it's like, oh, you were you were intimidated. Yeah, absolutely. To see this black girl come. Absolutely. I was the only black reporter, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, you were intimidated by me coming in. Absolutely. And you saw my greatness before I even realized my greatness Man, was there. Come on. And so... Yeah, there were many situations where I wanted to give up. And even now, like, it's still hard. I I won't give up. I say that many times. But even now, it's still hard because you really want to tell these stories. And you receive things like the email that the station sent. And, you know, people aren't sending the good emails, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if people like my work, yeah, they'll come in on social media, blah, blah, blah. But the bosses ain't seeing, you know, maybe they see social media, but they're not really seeing how people really feel like all the messages that I'm getting into my inbox uh-huh. about the work that's being done. Absolutely. But those ones that want to get their voices out there, they going to email me like, Oh no, why is she doing that? Like, I don't like that story, <laughs> you know? Okay. So, <laughs> you know, it's so funny. You talked about mental health, which is, uh, it's, it's a growing conversation, which I'm happy yeah. about. So could you speak to, uh, mental health, uh, and why it's important to manage and monitor it. And also what you see in the, not just the African-American community, just period, yeah. like mental health as a whole. Yeah, I got to first start by saying, like, I'm not the best at managing my own mental health. Sometimes I go so hard because there are so many issues that I feel like I want to tackle. Right. And I feel like there's not enough time to do it. But I think I need to realize that it's OK to pass the torch and to allow, allow someone else to take that torch from with it. You get your rest, you come back and you pick it back up. Right. right. And so. What I'm seeing is that a lot of people are feeling like that from the activists that we have out there who are really going hard for Black Lives Matter, for people who are fighting social injustice, racial inequities um, fairly every day. Right. That is tiresome. Right. And I see some of those people and I'm thinking in my head, like, I know how I feel and I'm not even going as hard Mm. as you. Mm. And so with those individuals and, and people in general. So that's what I've been seeing. But just in general, I feel like we all need to take better care of our mental health. Growing up, that wasn't something that we would discuss in my household mm-hmm. at all. I had no clue about mental health at all. Anything that I knew about mental health would just be someone saying, and I know this isn't the right terminology, but they'll say, oh, she's special. Yeah. And I'm like, dang, y'all said that all those years about certain individuals. Now I look back like, man, that was messed up because exactly. we could have been helping those individuals. Exactly. And here we are, you know, 10 years or whatever post um, 
being an adult rather 10, 12 years, however many years being an adult. And it's just like all of those years that we were in our households for me personally, we never talked about mental health. That just wasn't a conversation Mm -hmm. that was had. And so again, like I mentioned early on next week will be my first session officially with a therapist to just chat because I have been dealing with a lot just from a standpoint of the the stories that I'm telling and, and witnessing everything that we're all dealing with in regards to, you know, racial injustice and, and also just this pandemic. Like I'm here, I'm single, I'm here by myself. Like that's been a whole situation to move to a new city and to try to um, get to know the individuals there. One, because that's who you are, but two, it's part of your job to tell stories. And then three, you know, people need to be around people and that's just period point blank. Like that's how we're wired to be around people. Relationships are important. So that's just been um, a constant struggle. And so I would just encourage people, whoever hears this, don't write it off. Like if you feel a certain kind of way, if you want to get help, like it's strong to get help. Like you say, Oh, you weak or something wrong with you. Or, you know, if I tell somebody I'm going to see a therapist, some individuals in my family be like, Oh, you crazy. Girl, no, go get your help. Right, Talk right, right. Talk to that therapist. Absolutely. No, it's funny you said that. Um, I didn't, I remember growing up, I didn't realize how, um, I didn't know what stress was. Like, I, we didn't talk about, like, oh, I'm stressed. Like, yeah. I thought that was, a, to be fun, to be frank, I thought that was, like, something that white people deal with. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. with like, so, right. And so, and I get to college, and, and I'm I'm not operating at the my full potential, but I'm not understanding what it is. Right. And so finally, I'm like, okay, somebody put it to me like, bro, you just stressed out. And I'm just like, do I get stressed? Like, I th- is, that, is, that, is that a thing? Like, I was like, maybe, I, you know, maybe I am. And maybe I need to take more care of myself and maybe understand more about, like, what's going on in my head. Right. And even the trauma of just growing up, you know, one in the hood or without yep. a father, whatever the case may be, how those things affect you today. And I do believe in therapy, like you said, and, and how it can help you propel and unlock some areas of yeah. yourself that you have yet to tap into. I love it. You know, so, so let's talk about uh, career wise. you talked about kind of what you're dealing with. Do you have a, a goal vision of, you know, what the perfect, like Tashara Parker has accomplished what mm-hmm. she set out to do? Well, you know, I get asked that question a lot. My agent always want to know what's going on, <laughs> but I would say that, You know, a lot of people, let me just backtrack. So in this industry, a lot of people, if you talk to some of my colleagues, oh, network is the goal. Mm -hmm. Network is ABC, NBC, like the GMAs, the Today Show, you know, Nightly News, 60 Minutes, all of those different things. That's network. And that's the goal for a lot of people in this industry. That has never been my goal. You know, I'm saying this on here. And now if I get to network, y'all, GMA call, (laughs) hey, look, I'm ready to roll. But what I'm saying is it's never been the goal goal for me because I don't know unless they can create something where I'm able to fit into a space where I can still tell those stories that are really going to get people going and really make people feel something. I think it's going to be a hard sale for me to, to go to network Uh when I can't tell the type of stories that I want to tell. Right. I want to have fulfilling work. Like, you know, when you, when you die, when, when you're born, you have your year that you're born. When you die, you have your year that you die. Yeah. In the middle, you got your dash. Yeah. On my dash, yeah. I want it to be some stuff that I really am you know, passionate about. Absolutely. And so if I can't do that at the network level, then I don't know if that's for me. And I'm confident enough to say that. And I'm okay with saying that. That's beautiful. Now, if I can get to a point where network me- meant that I could have my own show, uh-huh. right? Yeah. And I could tell those stories that are uplifting. Think Oprah, but 
you know, 20 years later. Right, right. You know, and I can tell those types of stories that really um, encourage people and show people overcoming obstacles and odds and just being these brilliant, amazing, intellectual beings. That's the kind of stuff that I want to do. And I want to do that on a consistent basis. So it. if I could do something like that, that would be perfect. I love it. I love it. I love it. And you talked about earlier, um, so important. Somebody saw your greatness, but you didn't recognize your greatness. Yeah. Uh, can you talk about, and obviously, what was the switch that made you say, you know what, I, I, I am that. This is me. I yeah. am great. And then also speak to young ladies, young men, anybody who's trying to go after something who does not see their greatness right now. I would say, one, I don't feel like I'm, I still don't think I'm at a point where I'm truly understanding, like, what my value is. Yeah. I really don't think I'm there yet. Wow. Mentally, I don't think that I can truly grasp how how dope it is. Yeah. I hear back from people all the time saying these things. Yeah. But I don't think I've truly embraced it mm-hmm. yet. I really don't. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's just my upbringing and, you know, I try to be super chill about most things. I don't know what it is, but I don't feel like I've embraced it yet. However, the reason I mentioned that example early on was because I've seen the progression since my first station. And I'm like, man, you saw that long time ago. And so when it comes to young people, hell, even older people, you know, us, who older than us, you know, you got people in their thirties and forties still trying to figure out 50, 60s. And that's okay. So I would just say like, always go after what your heart says. If it's in your heart, if you do heart work, Mm -hmm. okay. Like you can work hard your entire life, but if it's not heart work, work of the heart, You are never going to enjoy it and you are never going to feel fulfilled. And that's just at the end of the day, it is what it is. And I know everybody wants to make money and you can still do that. But at the end of the day, unless it's something on the side that you're doing along with your job, if it's not work of the heart, it's never going to fulfill you. And so I would just say continue to try to do things that when you finish, you're like, dang, that was work. That's work. That good story was work. You know, that's what I mean by embracing who you are because your heart is going to always lead you. I know people, when it comes to like relationships, certain relationships, I say, okay, girl, don't let your heart get you in trouble. (laughs) But no, when it comes to your daily work, your heart will lead you and allow God to be your guiding principle in all that you do. Yeah, man. Listen, I could just, uh, the mic is on fire right now. I don't know what to do. I don't have insurance on it either. So (laughs) no, like that's so good. That's so, so good. Um, I always say, um, follow your heart, but take your mind with you. Yeah, there you go. I like that. You know what I mean? So I like that a lot. Sometimes people get in trouble. They, they're following their heart, but they're choosing not to think yeah. and to grow and to become more efficient and effective at what you're doing. If you want to get to where you go, you know, definitely follow your heart. Find your purpose. Do what you're passionate about, but be smart about it. You know what I mean? Don't, don't just be out here. You know, you say you want to be a dancer and you're not, you know, uh, you just dancing for no reason. You know, you, you don't have, you haven't really thought about okay, this is where I want to be in five years or this is the strategy that I need to take to get to where I want to go. And let me tell you this too in regards to what you're saying. Anything is possible right now. I know we say that, but y'all, anything is anything you want to do, all the people that you want to reach out to, keep reaching out to Mm -hmm. them. I heard this one lady speak at a, a conference that I went to, an event I went to rather, and she basically said she emailed Mark Cuban of the Dallas Mavericks, wow. right? Owner of the Dallas Mavericks. And she had this thing set up on her email where you could see 
um, not just if somebody opened it. We know about read receipts, right. not just if they opened it, but the exact time that they opened right. it. And so she kept emailing him and seeing the times that he would open emails. And I don't remember exactly if he responded or the full story, but it was just the fact that anything is possible. Any emails, yeah. any people you need to reach out yeah. to, you can reach those people. It's Absolutely. just being consistent, like you said, and thinking about whatever those things are. So that you can kind of put into motion what you need to do. Because Absolutely. a lot of people don't put it into motion. They think about it. They talk about it. They may not have the money to do it. But there are so many ways around all these different things. I really, truly believe anything is possible. And me coming from Tyler to Dallas, that may not seem like a huge feat to some people. Mm. But I know how big that is to mm. make that happen. So That's so good. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to try to get one more out of you. Uh, do you. Can you pinpoint a time in your life where you can say, this changed me? in a way and I'll never go back. Is there a moment? Yeah. A few months ago. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. A few months ago. I mean, there've been many pivotal, pivotal moments in my life, of course. But what I'm saying in regards to a moment that I can think of here recently, it's, it's literally been this whole George Floyd situation. Mm -hmm. When I was in Houston covering George Floyd and the emotions that I felt there and in journalism, that's not an emotion-led um, right, feel, right? right. You, you stick to the facts, you get the information out. And, and you can do that, but I also think people um, leave their heart at home. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're missing in journalism. And so I brought my heart with me that's to the good. story. That's good. And so when I was covering George Floyd, the funeral in Houston, that just hit me in a completely different way. And so I think from that point on, I said, look, I've been trying to tell community focused stories for the last four or five years I've been in this business. But nah, baby, we got to take it up a notch. Whatever we got to do to make sure these black faces and people understand that we are human, because I think had the officer felt like this is a human who's who's, you know, I'm suffocating basically right now. I felt like he would have felt him as a person, as a man. Right. And I don't felt like I don't feel like that's what was done. So I want to show people that it's not hard to find black voices to show the the human side of us. I hate that we have to do that, but it's something that I feel like I can do because everybody has their role. You're playing your role, right. doing what you're doing. Right. Everybody has their role to play. And if you're not doing anything, I don't want to look back 20 years from now, whether my nieces, nephews, kids, if I have them, look back and say, okay, well, what were you doing in 2020? Exactly. How did you join the movement? Exactly. What did you do to make things better? Exactly. Oh man, this is so good. Okay. So we're going to, um, we're going to play rapid fire. Uh, oh God. <laughs> you know, all you have to do, the only rule is to answer as quickly as possible. Answer as quickly as possible. Right. And so I'll say a word and you just say first word that come to mind. Okay. All right. And then we do like a this or that thing. All right. So first word, Legacy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Oh, there we go. Justice. George Floyd. Fitness. Running. Power. Barack Obama. Diva. Mariah Carey. (laughs) Community. Me. Uh, Shea butter or coconut oil? Shea butter. Satin or silk? Silk. TV or social media? Social media. Michelle Obama or Beyonce? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, Mo. I already said your husband, Beyonce. Uh, Forrest Brooke Smiley. Now, we already know the answer answer to that. Uh, Favorite movie? Um, Oh, my God. Step Brothers. (laughs) 
<laughs> I did not see that coming. It's coming. That's it. <laughs> Favorite color? Red. If you were an animal, you would be? Tiger. Biggest inspiration? Mm. Tamar Hall. Favorite time of the day? When I'm off work. Okay. <laughs> Describe yourself in three words. Passionate, ambitious, lover. Man, I love it. All right, I got a little extended one for her for this episode. This is uh, H-Town References. Just okay. try to finish it. I'm going to come down, pop my trunk, swinging in. Wait, what? Hold on. <laughs> swinging and, and chopped and screwed. Okay, you got three out of <laughs> Swinging and what, folks? Swinging and banging. Banging. Ah! Come on, you should have hit it with me. Come on. No, that's so good. Okay, so let's go. Uh, The people want to know what you're reading, watching, listening to. What do you do when nobody knows what you're doing? I'm funny. I watch comedy. I love comedy. So when I get off work um, and I'm done doing all my social media stuff, I will literally sit on Netflix, Amazon Prime, whatever one you want to think about and find me some kind of comedy to laugh at. Like that's just my my thing. That's dope. dope, dope. Are you reading anything right now? Yes. Oh my God. I just got Sean King's new book. I can't think of the title of it to save my life, but I just got Sean King's new book. I'll put it in the episode notes. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that's watching and reading. And then what you listen to? What what are you? Music, podcast, whatever. Hip hop. Okay. Period. Who's your favorite artist right now, Mm. I guess? No, all time, actually. All time? Hip hop? Hip hop. Whoever you decide to. Period is, I'm going to say Beyonce. Okay. I mean, that just is So Beyonce still is. got, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. actually, you said it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Beyonce will be my favorite artist okay. of all time. Um, we go obituary question? Yeah, let's go obituary question. Obituary question? question. <laughs> what kind of question is that? What? So, Bro, what? Okay, go so ahead. It's year 20, uh, 2200, and oh, you have God. now uh, gone on to the other side, and we're at your funeral, and somebody reads your obituary. What does it say? All of it or just a line? Girl, if you don't just get okay. <laughs> No, um, just you know, what do you you know, what do you the work think? the work you do doesn't have to be radical. It just has to be something that matters to you. Tashara was one of those individuals who consistently put in work. Wasn't always radical, but she made sure that it was front and center. Tashara loved people. I feel like she practiced. <laughs> like, did my trip? That was so good. No. That was so good. Okay. No. So let's do parting advice. Um, okay. So a lot of times I like to get either the best piece of advice you've ever gotten, or just something that you like to give uh, and leave with people. What's your parting advice? Um, I always just say, do the work. You know. People are often afraid to do the work. You know, everybody claims they want to be great. Everybody claim they want to be the best at what they do, whatever their respective field is, but they're not willing to put in the extra time, the extra energy, the extra effort to make it happen. And it's going to take all of those things. Mm -hmm. So if you're somebody that wants to be great at what you do, you want to be the next whomever, you got to put in the work. And I mean, that's that's the the biggest thing. 
I, I literally sometimes work 15, 16 hours a day. Mm-hmm. People don't wow. see that on social media. But you got to remember, while all of y'all are asleep, I'm waking up at 2 o'clock in the morning crazy. to get ready for work. And I'm still up with all of y'all until 5, 6, 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. So I've been up all day, all morning. That's insane. So, yeah, do the work. Okay, so um, I wanted to bring this up before we get out of here. I didn't get to talk about, like, your fitness journey and how much oh. you've been doing marathons. You just did 30 miles. 31 miles. 31 miles in 30 yeah. hours. Yeah. Happy yeah. belated birthday, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, I, I'll let you, um, even though that parting advice was amazing, can you uh, just speak to wh- why is fitness so important to you? Because, like, you've been going ham. Yeah, I think that's that's been one of my therapies. Mm-hmm. Fitness has been one of my therapies. I started running like that in Chicago, and it's so funny. You Do you remember Coach Terrell from, yep. from uh, Forest Brook? <laughs> he was a girls track coach, yep. and I ran track yep. in high school. I was a track captain too, by the way. Don't uh, let nobody tell you differently. <laughs> and so anyway, so I, I ran track and I was a sprinter in, in high school. And Coach Terrell saw that I was running all those miles. And he was like, what you doing? Yeah. And so anyways, I, I started running back in Chicago <clears throat> from just a therapeutic standpoint. You know, it would help me re- relieve stress, that stress that we didn't know existed exactly. until we got a little older because exactly. it wasn't something we talked about in my household. Exactly. So I started running for, for therapy. And so it's very important to me that I get out there and I put my miles in. You know, a lot of people are afraid of running uh, for whatever reasons. Um, and I'm not saying people who physically can't do it, uh-huh. but some people just don't want to get out there and do it because of the mileage. Right. They see that. I'm like, you just got to start. You got to you know? start. Yeah. When you start, once you get down to that destination, you ain't got no choice but to come back. Exactly. So if you go out six miles or two or one or a half a mile, you cover. have no choice but to come back. Man. And so that's what I like about running. I really, really enjoy it. And I love getting more people involved. I don't know if you remember, but I did a challenge online uh, when this pandemic first started, mostly because I was like, look, I got to do something. Yeah. And I had, people from across the country running with us That's amazing. Um, just to reach 20 miles. That's and so amazing. we made it happen. So it's, it's beautiful. And it's, it's great how it brings people together too. Man, I love it. Yeah. Running for me is when I get to like empty out my mind yep. and hear my thoughts yep. clearly. Like, mm-hmm. and so it's very therapeutic. A lot um, of times don't even run with music. You just running. Yeah. 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 Man, Tashara Parker, this is amazing. I'm so happy to have you on the show. I am blessed. Uh, and just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're thank welcome. you for, yeah, my first guest out in Dallas, Texas, too. Yeah, Dallas. You know I mean? so, so, man, guys, thanks for tuning in again. This has been another episode of the Transformation Chamber. I'll see you soon. Thanks again for tuning in to the Transformation Chamber. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. To find out more about Tashara Parker, follow her at Tashara Parker or visit her website at TasharaParker.com. To find out more about the Transformation Chamber, follow me at Joshua T. Dada or visit my website at JoshuaTDada.com. Until next time, peace.